Welcome to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Dell challenges the status quo, questions everything, and empowers you to return to your core beliefs to make your life better. If you're ready to hear the truth and get your roadmap to the lifestyle you really want, the next hour will change your life. And now your host, self-made millionaire, national award-winning investor of the year, CEO and founder of Lifestyles Unlimited, Dell Wamsley. Welcome to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show, where the hype ends and the help begins. I'm your host, Dell Wamsley, and as always, we're working on your financial freedom. Today, um, fresh back from Miami, uh, you know, on-location event, meeting lots of incredible people. I ran into a dichotomy of thought process that was very interesting and almost even painful because I couldn't reconcile it out of my brain while it was happening uh, at, in, in and of the moment. It was very interesting. And what had happened was is that I met two completely different types of people at this event. And I met one group of people where one family had like 25 million bucks and another family where they had 10 million bucks. And then I met a guy who said he couldn't even get a house refinanced. And he said he didn't understand why he couldn't get a house refinanced. And it was because he had no income. But in his mind, he had income. And I actually ran into two people. Another person had his own personal business. And he couldn't understand because he hid his income uh, from the IRS that when he went to the bank, the bank says, you have no income. Look at your tax return. It clearly states you have no income. And then he says, but I have a lot of cash flow. Um, and he just doesn't understand it. And so I started feeling this dichotomy of spectrum. And then uh, somebody came up to me and told me a story uh, about a guy who said he didn't celebrate Valentine's Day and that what he did was he waits to the day after Valentine's Day. Their family waits the day after Valentine's Day because they can buy candy really, really cheap, 50 cents on the dollar, and all the other little giveaways and whatever trinket stuff that, you know, now the day after Thanksgiving, it's worthless and they sell it for 50 cents on the dollar. And the, the moral of the story was supposed to be, here's a guy that is so frugal that he thinks through this process very intelligently and doesn't let the hype get in the way of him staying on his budget and so forth. And that, there's a logic to that. I got that. There, you know, and you can understand that. But what was eating at me was that frugality um, doesn't make you 25 million bucks. It doesn't make you 10 million bucks. Uh, and no matter how hard you work to be that frugal, that isn't going to be the complete decision. On the other hand, when you listen to these people that are there and they say, I have no money and I have no credit, you go, what did you do with your money? What did you do to destroy your credit? So as you can see, there is a completely different set of problems on each end. The people on the other end over here that got them 25 million bucks, they don't need to work anymore. They could just live off that money, but they realize that that money will go away very quickly if they allow themselves to up their cost of living and, and live off of it. And so they're looking for a way to create income out of that money. And then people down here at the bottom don't have any money to start with. 
So they're looking for a way to earn more money by turning real estate into some type of a job. What can I do? Can I buy something and rehab it and, and flip it? And then I ran into a guy which is very interesting because he was some form of either a financial planner or he was a stockbroker or some combination thereof. And, you know, you could tell the guy totally understood everything about what the laws were, the finances were, the taxes were. In fact, he was even helpful answering some questions during, you know, the conversation. But yet when I talked to him, as intelligent as he is in some upper echelon of clientele that he must work with to be in that business, his first statement was he wanted to buy some houses and flip them, and which makes absolutely no sense at all. And so here I am, I'm, I'm, I'm being immersed in all of this different confusing ideologies and thinking to myself, wow, how do you reconcile one from the other? You know, because people believe that living frugal is the answer, who do it, they believe that's the answer. People who make a lot of money believe that the way to solve your problem is make a lot of money. And then some people don't know how to make a lot of money and don't know how to save their money. I met a guy one time that was uh, worked in a uh, factory, I believe it was, an oil refinery, I believe, correct term for it. And um, he had a little frame house out by a little creek or a little pond or something. And he had a little boat. And all he liked to do was fish. And he only needed $1,000 a month to pay all of his bills. So he joined Lifestyles, and, you know, he had a little money, not a lot of money, but he had a little money because he saved. He didn't live on, he saved very frugal, saved his money. And we went out, we bought him, you know, four or five rent houses, which very easily covered the 1000 a month he needed, and 500 a month times five houses, $2,500 a month of tax-free income. He just very easily covered his, his living expenses. And so he retired and lived happily ever after. Right. So the point I'm trying to make to you is that here I am trying to reconcile a conversation with a group of people and realizing the group of people in the room are as diverse as could be. And what started to bother me about it was, is, you know, this group over here that thinks that frugality is the answer to all questions doesn't understand that the frugality is never going to make them rich. Now, maybe they don't want to be rich. What I found when I was poor was that I hated being poor. But I was willing to live on half of what I earned. I'd never really had a lot of desires for things. I was never a things kind of guy, so it was really pretty easy for me to do that. I was mostly working out all the time, so I was pretty busy. I didn't need things to go spend money on to do. So I'm kind of a weird bird that way. But I could see that if you live too frugally your whole life, you will never, ever learn to appreciate what it is not to be poor. And so I read a book, I think it was called um, Millionaire Next Door, where they talk about people that saved their whole life, paid off their personal residence, got a 401k and IRA, and by the time they're 65, 70 years of age, they've got a million bucks in the bank. 
But what it also went on to say was, in the later chapters, that most of these people were, although financially secure, knowing that they could live out their days, they were living still as frugal as they were when they were saving their money. They'd go to lunch at 4 o'clock and get the senior's discount for lunch. They took all the senior discounts for everything. They, did. they clipped coupons. And they did all these things to, to just live on next to no money, at all, although they had a million bucks in the bank. And invested correctly, it would have produced $100,000 a year worth of income. They were living like they were living on $10,000 a year in income, which is something embedded in my mind early on in my life that this just doesn't make sense. And so really, when we look at this, guys, I think that the chasm that we're going to talk about today is the fact that people that think savings is the solution to becoming financially free do not understand that making money is the other half of that solution. People who can't save money believe that the rich people all got there by luck, that they hit it big one time. And so those people try to hit it big by buying lotto tickets, by buying long shot investments like Bitcoin, where there's this something for nothing, instantaneously, gratificationally diseased idea that overnight without anything invested of time and money of your own, you're going to get rich. And the reason they believe that is because they have to believe that because they can't reconcile in their own brain that they just didn't do the first part of the equation correct. And you know, you think about it, whatever it is you do wrong in life, it's very hard for you to rationalize that you're wrong is wrong. I'm just as guilty as anybody, so I'm not pointing fingers. Remember, you point one finger forward, three point back. But the reality is, is that when you look at it from the outside in and you're trying to help somebody do something that, by the way, you're good at, whether it be getting in shape or be making financial freedom or building a rocket, somebody from the outside that knows how to do it, looking in to people that don't know, they can see things the other people can't see. And today, let's take a little trip down that journey, down that road, and look at some of those things that maybe some of you need to think about in addition to where you're at already. Take a short break. Be right back with the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. You're listening to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Dell will be right back with more life-changing principles in just a few minutes. Lifestyles Unlimited is the real estate investor education and mentoring group that has been taking people by the hand and teaching them how to invest in real estate for over 25 years. Our students have been so successful at creating wealth and passive income that they've won local, state, and national investor of the year awards 10 of the last 10 years. It's easy to see why Think Realty Magazine named us the best in the U.S. If you're ready to add real estate to your portfolio, go to lifestylesunlimitedpodcast.com to access our free live training event schedule. Welcome back. Now, here's some more unconventional wisdom to set you free from the man on a mission to retire America, one person at a time, Del Wamsley. Welcome back to Del Wamsley Radio Show. Today, I'm taking on a topic that uh, even for myself, I find it challenging to try to cross the chasm of these two giant ideas. One idea is that frugality is the secret to becoming financially successful. Uh, to live, to live, to learn to live way below your means is uh, a very important point for most people's financial plan that want to become successful. And the other one is, is that even frugality won't lead you anywhere but to a poverty mentality. And that 
if you do that your entire life, even though you end up with more money in your bank than someone who doesn't, you're going to live like you're impoverished the rest of your life. When you get to be a senior, you're still going to be living on beans and rice. You're still going to be driving a broken down car. You're still going to be going to uh, lunch at four o'clock so you can get a senior's discount. You're still going to be uh, clipping coupons. And that, you know, it doesn't matter that you save more money than the guy next to you. Your life is still as mediocrity, as mediocre, sorry, as mediocre as the guy who didn't save money. You're living the same way the guy is living. In other words, he's living it because he has to because he spent all of his money. You're living it because you've trained yourself to live it that way. And so life never really gets any better even when you start to transition into someone that has a moderate amount of wealth and then into a large amount of wealth later on down the line. You just can't make that that transition mentally. You become old and conservative and frugal to the point where there really is no enjoyment in life. And it's funny, <laughs> I had something happen to me that I was out there and we were shopping in Miami and my girlfriend's picking out all these really nice clothes and I was, you know, she picked out a couple jackets for me that were pretty fancy. And so we're buying this stuff and I'm thinking, oh gosh, I don't really need all the stuff, but I've got the money I can afford to do it. It's really no big deal. It doesn't even scratch the surface. And as we're going through that, then I saw this, they had this sale on Birkenstocks. And I don't know if you know what a Birkenstock is, but it's that that, that earthy kind of shoe that the hippies wore. Uh, sometimes they're wood bottoms, I think, and they got like leather straps on them. And I mean, they are like, to me, a very, very, it's, I don't know how to say it. If I said it's going to be insulting somebody who wears Birkenstocks. But let me put it this way. I thought they were gone. I thought that that fad had disappeared. And I, I go, man, who would even buy these things anymore? Nobody dresses like a hippie anymore like that. And, I mean, that's such a, a way to get stuck in the 70s, to get stuck in hippieism, right? To, to go around and, and be earthy. And just about the time my brain was saying all that, a young girl walks in with Birkenstocks on, takes hers off and puts a new pair on that look exactly the same. But for some reason, she thought that that Birkenstock look compared to that Birkenstock look might mean, might mean she needs an upgrade. And I thought to myself, there it is. People are stuck in poverty, even when they're not impoverished. If you grow up in poverty, if you live your middle ages through poverty, you end up impoverished. It's a way of thinking. And now the world sees those ways of thinking and whatever it is you can conceive and believe, you will achieve. So if you believe the only way to have money is to struggle and to, and to starve, then that's the only way it will work for you because that's all you'll ever do. You'll be a Birkenstock for the rest of your life. On the other hand, if you see the world as plentiful, as you see it that as you produce, the world will commend you, it's a completely different point of view. Now, this always brings me back to a biblical story, right? The story, the parable about the talents in the Bible. And this is Matthew 25.14 through from Matthew 25.14 through 30, and Luke 19.12 through 28. There's actually two stories in the Bible that are almost exactly the same. 
And in both cases, they say almost exactly the same thing, and they mean exactly the same thing. Now, I'm not going to read you the biblical verse, uh, because when you read the Bible, it's hard to really follow what they say, the way they speak about things. Um, It's in an older tongue. But I'm going to read you the overview that this guy wrote about this, and then we can come back to it, because I think it's very, very interesting. Let me check my time here. Uh, We're looking at four minutes or three minutes, so we're going to see if we can get through this. It's a simple story that our Lord tells here. A man who is prepared to leave on a journey entrusts his possessions to his servants. He distributes his wealth amongst three servants, proportioned to them on the basis of their ability. Now, I want to stop right there, and let's talk about what the Bible is really talking about. On earth, we get paid according to our ability. Those of you who have great ability get paid a lot of money. Those of you who have little abilities on life don't get paid as much. Are you with me? That's just the fact of the world. I know the liberal establishment out there doesn't want you to believe that. They want you to believe that it's unfair, that rich people are rich because they're lucky, and poor people are poor because they're uh, a minority. But, hey, Michael Jordan isn't poor because he's a minority. Kevin Durant isn't poor because he's a minority. James Harden isn't poor because he's a minority. These guys are paid a ton of money because they are talented. And so when God handed out talent, they did something with it. And a talent is a measure of wealth in this society. But a talent in the Bible as a measure of wealth is no different than a measure of talent that we are all given. It goes on to say, to the first he entrusted five talents, to the second two talents, and to the third one talent. The first two servants quickly set to work with their master's money. And in this case, it's envisioned the master's money is God's talent he gave to you. Are you a five-talent person? Are you a two-talent person? Are you a one-talent person? God gave you those talents. Now go do something with them. So the third talent did not invest the master's money at all. He dug a hole in the ground and buried the master's money. In other words, he wasted the talent God gave to him. You could be one of those people out there wasting your talent that God gave to you. When the master returned, the first two eagerly met their master, apparently delighted in the opportunity to multiply their master's money. Both were commended as good and faithful servants, and both were rewarded with increased responsibilities in the master's service. Both were invited to share in the master's joy. So the guy with five talents comes back and tells the master, you gave me five talents, I returned to you ten talents. And And the master says, you are a good slave, Now I'm going to bestow upon you much power and much wealth. The second guy who was given two talents doubled his, you know, uh, talents to four talents. And the master said the same thing to him. It didn't mean anything to the master that the one guy had five talents and this guy only had two. He was happy when he gave him two because that was his level of talent. He replicated the results of the guy with five talents. That's all you need to do, is take what talent you have and double it. Double the results of your talents. But when we come back from break, we're going to talk about those of you that are wasting your talent, burying God's gift to you. We'll be right back with the Dell Walton Radio Show. 
You're listening to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Dell will be right back with more life-changing principles in just a few minutes. The largest wealth and passive income expo in the country is coming to Texas Saturday, April 14th. Join thousands of top investors and expert wealth educators. Pick from topics like passive income, retirement, asset protection, tax-free income, finding, fixing, and funding houses and apartments. Get your path to retirement in just one day. Go to wealthandpassiveincomeexpo.com. Gain one-on-one access to hundreds of industry experts, realtors, lenders, property and asset managers, apartment owners, national real estate syndication and trade professionals. Come shake hands with your retirement partner. Use promo code EXPO18 and get in for just $10. Meet national radio host, multimillionaire real estate investor, and mentor to the top award-winning investors in the country, Dell Walmsley. Use promo code EXPO18 to get your all-access pass for just $10. Wealthandpassiveincomeexpo.com. Meet featured speaker Brian Tracy, top-selling author of over 70 books, personal success and performance expert, along with Marcus Luttrell, the lone survivor, best-selling author and former United States Navy SEAL who received the Navy Cross and Purple Heart for his actions during Operation Red Wings. Your path to retirement in just one day. Wealthandpassiveincomeexpo.com. Use promo code Expo 18. Welcome back. Now, here's some more unconventional wisdom to set you free from the man on a mission to retire America, one person at a time, Del Wamsley. Welcome back to Del Wamsley Radio Show. Today, what I'm trying to do is reconcile this chasm between the belief that the only way to make money is to be massively frugal uh, or to go out there and earn lots of money and live on the edge and, you know, take big giant shots at the world and just sort of try to get ahead by the one big, you know, giant bang. And, um, you know, the problem is whenever you take on one of those two belief systems, then it permeates your life. And for the rest of your life, you're chasing the something for nothing or the rest of your life, you're living frugal to the point of, you know, living like you're poor. And you pick up what we call a poor mentality. You have, that, you have that poor man's mentality. Or you have the gambler's mentality. And people that don't want to be stuck in either one of those two really don't have a roadmap to get out of them. Today, before we get out of here, I want to try to give you that roadmap. But right now what I'm talking about is I've been going over the parable of the talents in Matthew's 25 in the Bible. And we talked about the first two uh, slaves being given talents directly in proportion to their abilities. So in other words, you as a human being are given income according to your abilities. We're not, we don't all have the same ability. But when the two that had, one guy got given five talents, next guy got two, and the last guy got one, the two that had more talents came back to the king and they had doubled their talents. In other words, they had taken what they had been given by God and went out and done something with it. And that's all you can expect to do. Now, if the guy with two talents comes back with four and he's given another chance to do it again, he's going to come back with eight. But the, the king said, but for you to have that right mentality, for you to do the right thing with my money, I am going to bestow upon you much, much more power and wealth. Not just double it. You've proven you understand how to own and control wealth. But other people don't know how to do that. Even when they're given talents and they make money and they save some money, they go bury the money in the dirt. And the third servant comes back to the master and says, 
Uh, well, here's the explanation. The master dealing with the third servant is a very different matter. The servant came to his master with only the talent his master had originally entrusted him. In other words, you were given the talent to go to work and earn money. Here you are 20, 30 years later, and all you have is still the talent to go to work to make money. You have not done anything with the talent except use it. Goes on, he said, he did not increase his master's money at all. In fact, if it were to take place today, the money would likely be worth less due to inflation. The servant offered a feeble excuse for his conduct. He told the master that he was harsh and cruel man, a man who was demanding and who expected gains where he had not labored. Now, that's a big sentence there. He was a harsh and cruel man, or the world is a harsh and cruel place. It is demanding. He is demanding. The world is demanding. And you expect gains where there is no labor. In other words, here's a guy, you, who is a laborer. You've taken the talent God gave you, and all you do with it is go to work. Earn, spend, work, earn, spend. You have not multiplied those talents in any way, shape, or form. Right? And you then, as a laborer of life, hate people that have wealth because they make money without working for it. It's called passive streams of income. Passive streams of income. And you hate the concept that somebody could earn money without getting up and going to work. It befuddles you. It irritates you. It makes you a Democrat. It makes you a liberal. You think that the money should be equally distributed to all those who live, no matter whether you work for it or you don't work for it, especially if you don't work for the money. You shouldn't have it. And because of this hatred, that's your excuse for your own failure? Because that's what this, this servant is saying. He contended that this is why he was afraid to take risks with all kinds of investments. And so he simply hid the money, and now he returned it without any gain. The master rebuked the slave for being evil and lazy. He took his talent from him and gave it to one who earned ten, and cast his fellow into outer darkness where they will weep and gnash, gnash their teeth for life. In other words, he sent the guy with ten talents, the rest of the talent sent this guy to hell to live a life of quiet desperation of misery the rest of his life because he ruined his talent. And, you know, even when you're given talent, my friends, let's say you were very talented something. Give it a name. I'm a very talented engineer. Eventually, you will get old, and that talent will be taken away because you've done nothing with it. You have nothing to live on. You have not multiplied your talents. You've worked, and you have earned and you have worked, and you have earned. And maybe even you have worked and earned and saved, because the last sentence in this deal is the master saying, you know, the least you should have done was given the talent to the banker who could have paid me interest on it while I was away. But instead, you buried it, which is to get back over to the guys that spend everything they make, and they can't save money. There it is. There's the chasm. You're making money, you're spending money, you're not saving money, so you have nothing to invest. 
you have nothing to invest, you can't get ahead. You can't create passive income. So the reality is, is that both of these things are important to understand is that you cannot go out there and waste your talent and spend everything you earn. You do have to save money to build some wealth to invest. But it doesn't have to be large amounts to start out with. So now, how do we cross this chasm? That's the final question here, right? And I remember doing a, a radio show a while back, a couple of years back, where I was talking about what my system was. My system was I lived on half of what I earned. You don't have to be that crazy. I, like I said, I had nothing to spend money on. So single guy, worked out all the time, had no needs, didn't care about fancy clothes or cars or anything. So I had no, it wasn't like it was a struggle for me. I just picked a number. I said, you know, before I had this job, I had nothing. Now I have this job. I can live on half of what this job is because I had nothing before I had this job. So now I'll live on half of what I get. And I'll take that money that I save and I'll go buy a rent house. And each time I buy a rent house, I will now have $500 a month more income. So if I buy six of them in a year, I now have $3,000 a month more income. And what I said to myself was, okay, I now have this income, $70,000 a year at my job. And I now have another $3,000 a month of passive income. My take-home income you know, my 70000 after taxes is only like 3500 bucks a month. Now I've just added, you know, this uh, $3,000 a month to, let's see, I'm sorry, five houses times five is $2,500 a month. I've added $2,500 a month to my income, and I, I before was living on 3500 So now I have $6,000 a month in income. And I said, you know what? I deserve to go up then and live on half of my 6000 a month, which is 3000 a month. And so another year, you know, goes by, and I bought, I went from like 10 houses to like 40 houses, moved pretty rapidly, and my income went up again. And I said, you know, now take all my income, my earned income, my passive income, add it all together, I can live on half of that. And so I continued to live on half of my income. But every time I earned more, I allowed myself mentally to grow. Now, I will tell you, this is hard. You could, how could it be hard? No, it was actually hard to stop spending the little amount I lived on the year before. I was totally happy and satisfied living on the small amount. But I knew if I didn't allow my brain to expand, because I had read this book about how people become old, poor-minded people, that I would never change my outlook about life. And I would always be afraid of losing money more than of having and or making money. And so I took it upon myself to demand that I would find something to do. And at first I had nothing to do, so I started having, going out every Friday night with my friends and picking up the tab. Just the fun of, hey, I got it. <laughs> then I made the mistake of letting everybody know that, and all of a sudden it wasn't five guys anymore, it was 20 and there was 30. Then I had to stop picking up the tab because it started getting quite large. But it was just a way to show myself that, hey, money comes easily to me, because I know how to make money. I'm not going to live like I don't. And that's what I want you to think about doing. I want you to pay yourself a bonus for becoming successful. We'll take a short break. Be right back with Monday Mailbag. You're listening to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show. Dell will be right back with more life-changing principles in just a few minutes. 
What would happen if you didn't show up for work tomorrow? For the next couple of days? For a week? A couple of months? A year? How long until you lose everything you've worked for in a fraction of the time it took to earn it? If this fear keeps you up at night, it's time to learn the strategies we teach at Lifestyles Unlimited. Start with the free workshop. Go to lifestylesunlimitedpodcast.com and find your true financial peace, like so many of our members already have. That's lifestylesunlimitedpodcast.com. Welcome back. Now, here's some more unconventional wisdom to set you free from the man on a mission to retire America, one person at a time, Del Wamsley. Welcome back to Del Wamsley Radio Show. I'm sorry. We're uh, going to go to the mailbag now. And um, this first one I want to share with you is very private. I didn't ask for permission to put it on, so I'm not going to use the name. And I'm going to try not to give away any specific facts that might lead you to under, believing you know who this person is, because I just because I didn't ask. I don't know that he would mind it, but uh, he goes on and says, good morning, take time. I'm taking time in the whirlpool, reading books and studying. Thanks for the resources you and Lifestyle provide. I'll give you some background, try to keep it brief. In the last um, real estate market downturn, I was able to purchase nine houses. Should have done better, for sure, but... Uh, wasn't listening too well, and basically what he's saying is kind of afraid to do more than that. He did as fast as his mind could get him to do it. Said in October 2015, my wife was diagnosed with cancer and got through surgery fine and was back to normal. So, wow, it's a positive attitude. We're glad to see that. Uh, in past October, she diagnosed with stage two, uh, a different type of cancer, okay, which is more serious. Uh, trying not to make this sound negative, but there are positive components to this story. Uh, being in 2017, my employer eliminated overtime deduction, my, or overtime, reducing my salary by approximately $16,000 a year. Thanks to the real estate, we are able to afford non-conventional treatments, expensive by way, and often not covered by insurance. So regardless of my deductibles and non-covered treatments, we're doing fine financially. Not building capital as fast as we were before, but still doing fine. Looking forward to the next property and being able to provide my life partner with the care she chooses. So important to me. It's a great testament to the power of real estate. Thanks. I know that you were a survivor. We will look forward to giving you an update Hopefully, she'll be a survivor, too. God bless you, man. For a couple things. One, hanging in there with your wife, taking care of her. Wonderful. Standing by. Number two, which is even probably more powerful, is you're doing it with a, a cheerful and positive attitude. Thank God and the blessing to you that you went out and bought real estate had the the insight to do it before it was necessary in your life so that when it was necessary, it was there. It's a wonderful thing. And, you know, I wonder how many of these kinds of emails I get in a year. These aren't as much of the ones as, hey, you know, I live in a life of quiet desperation. Thanks for showing me the light. Let me turn it around. But to see that someone could be this positive, I wish I could be this positive. Um, when you go through something, is challenging as what this family's going through. So, you know, again, I didn't ask to use that, so I don't want to give out the name, but, you know, silent prayers go out. 
Next email says, uh, on single-family housing, should I put the house in my name or each house in an LLC? Well, you know, conventional thinking, if you're an attorney, the concept is if you want the highest and greatest protection, liability protection from a tenant being able to sue you, you would put each house inside of an LLC. Now, by the way, I'm not an attorney, I'm not a CPA, and I'm just giving you my opinion. My experience, though, which is a little more than an opinion, it's experience, is that in the 27 years we've been doing this and the tens of thousands, actually more than tens, I guess tens and tens of thousands of people, their members, uh, 99% of them didn't put a house inside of an LLC. Now, there's a logical reason for that. One is that Fannie Mae, which gives the best loans out there, long-term, non-callable loans, uh, as opposed to bank loans, which they can just pull them on you anytime. But a Fannie Mae 30-year mortgage, you know, they can't take the house unless you stop making the payments. Interest rates are lower. Amortization's longer. It's just a better loan all the way around. Uh, they won't lend to an LLC. They will only lend to individuals. Now, in apartments, that's different. They, they will lend to LLCs. But on houses, they won't. So most investors who want to use their Fannie Mae loan ability, which right now currently is 10 loans at the most. Fannie Mae will only lend to you if you have less than 10 loans in your name. Um, they want to use up those 10 really good loans, so they won't put any of the first 10 houses in an LLC. Then what they might do later on is start buying houses with bank loans, which are not as good a loan, and put those inside of an LLC. Now, how do they protect themselves in the meantime? Most of us that had houses, I don't have houses anymore, but the ones that have houses, what they're doing is they're carrying uh, somewhere between three hundred and dollars and $500,000 of liability insurance on each house individually. So if something happens, somebody sues you, you've got that liability insurance. And then most of us also have an umbrella insurance policy over the top of that, which is anywhere between $1 and $2 million, depending on what your net worth is. You need an umbrella large enough to protect your net worth. Now, let's say, for instance, though, just as hypothetically, you've got 10 or 20 or $30 million, and you want to go out here, which would be almost ridiculous to buy one rent house if you've got that much money. Uh, it'd be a waste of your time. You should buy an apartment. But if you wanted to, it might be worth it to put, an LLC, put it in an LLC and pay for a little bit less quali- quality loan, just so there's no way they come back after your personal wealth. Uh, from this this tenant or this rent house and so forth. Yeah, I'm not an attorney. I'm just telling you what I've witnessed in the last 27 years with tens and tens of thousands of people. This is pretty much how this stuff is dealt with. All right, see how much time we got left here. We have another one here. Said, I really love that you uh, and your team do, how you're doing it, fundamentally, principle, integrity, sound, blessings. we're living in Hawaii. How much time can we expect to buy a home or apartment complex on our own? Can we do it with little no time? No, I'm sorry. Long story short, we're running out of time here. Bottom line is, if you're going to own an apartment and do it by yourself and be an independent owner and manage it yourself, you're going to have some time invested in the deal. There are ways to make it where you don't have time invested in the deal. I just don't have time left in the rest of the show to go into that. It's probably a whole show itself. So uh, for the rest of you out there, keep in mind, it's not the money we're going after here. It's the lifestyle. Have a wonderful day. I'll see you tomorrow.
for listening to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show, teaching you the opposite of everything you've been taught so you can obtain the results you've never obtained. Join us seven days a week. Can't get enough? Visit DellOnTheRadio.com to listen to the Dell Wamsley Radio Show, access past show podcasts, and join the conversation. Information and opinions you hear on the Del Wamsley Radio Show are those of the host, Del Wamsley, his guests, and his callers, and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of this station, its affiliates, its management, or advertisers. The Del Wamsley Show is for entertainment purposes only. Please consult a professional regarding your personal investment needs. Nothing presented on the Del Wamsley Show constitutes an endorsement, recommendation, offer, or solicitation to buy or sell any product or security.